Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Devotion to Mary, a member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Alexander Krasik, and I am joined by our guest, Father Herman Fleece, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Folksville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Father. Hello, happy to be here. In this episode, we will continue our study of the book, True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. We will start our episode today covering the first chapter of part two, which is entitled Nature of Perfect Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary or Perfect Consecration to Jesus Christ. And as this is a short chapter, we will also begin part of chapter two, which is on the motives of the perfect devotion. St. Louis begins the chapter by explaining that our perfection consists in being conformed, united, and consecrated to Jesus Christ. And therefore, the most perfect devotion is the one that achieves this most perfectly, which is devotion to Mary. The more a soul is consecrated to Mary, the more one is consecrated to Jesus. From this it follows that the most perfect consecration to Jesus is that which most perfectly and entirely consecrates ourselves to Mary, and which is also a perfect renewal of the vows and promises of holy baptism. What then does this perfect and entire consecration consist of, Father? Good. Uh, well, first, the vows of baptism, essentially by those uh, vows we renounce the devil and his pomps, etc., and we promise to serve Christ in a, in a word and become his servants. So that is how it connects with this. This devotion to Our Lady means that we give ourselves as slaves or servants to Our Lord to serve him, and we do that through Our Lady by means of our service or slavery to Our Lady. So that's how they come together. And then uh, one could say that the, the devotion of St. Louis is essentially um, a consecration and a slavery to Jesus Christ by means or through a consecration and slavery to Our Lady. So St. Louis goes on to show that this consecration is a perfect renewal of the vows of baptism, and he also shows us the importance of having this reminder of our vows and necessarily the obligations that follow from it as a great remedy against evils that may enter our lives. And he supports this with a quote from the Catechism of the Council of Trent also. Yes, um, our sense refers to the Council of Trent, uh, which um, uh, essentially the Council reminds us that we essentially were purchased and redeemed by our Lord, and therefore we are his slaves. And uh, the importance of bearing in mind this um, this, uh, the council says that the, the parish priest should insist on this notion or this truth uh, in order for people to essentially lead a truly Christian life, etc. We were redeemed by our Lord, we belong to him, we are our Lord's slaves. So that's what the, the Holy Council of Trent says uh, in the Catechism. And then how the saint uh, connects it again is we should uh, always bring uh, this truth uh, back to our mind and recall it so that we live a truly Christian life by striving against sin, etc., etc. Um, so the saint essentially says that, well, by this consecration to Our Lady, we are reminded of our slavery to our Lord, that is, we give ourselves to Our Lady as slaves so that we are better uh, servants or slaves of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in that sense, it keeps this uh, same um, instruction of the Council of Trent 
to keep this dependence and this servitude towards our Lord always fresh in our life. And um, then the vows of baptism, the way in which they are renewed is essentially by this devotion to Our Lady. We renounce the devil and his pomps, etc., and we give ourselves fully, body and soul, as servants to Our Lady directly and ultimately and through her to our Lord. So that, and that is in a way refreshing and renewing the vows we did at baptism. And uh, that is certainly in accordance with not only the, the Holy Council of Trent, but really the, uh, the theologians and many uh, earlier councils. He concludes the chapter by answering some objections or concerns the faithful may have about this devotion. And the first of which is assuring our his readers, our listeners, that this isn't a new devotion, this isn't some invention of his, and it's not a different one either. Yes, and then um, all that is uh, shown in detail in the book, so we can refer our listeners to it, but in a nutshell we can say that the saint traces, like the, you might say, historical information and um, saints and important persons in the life of the Church who have done this devotion before, so as to show with evidence that it is not something new or even recent. And then he he goes through um, all these historical examples of people who have done this devotion. And uh, you can find, people can find those in the book. And also it, one can say that the uh, he gives very good examples of people who uh, follow this devotion, you might say, uh, in the strictest uh, sense or very close to the even the very determined way that uh, St. Louis proposes. But if one considers it like a broader uh, and more, perhaps more implicit way of doing this uh, servitude to Our Lady, then it goes all the way back and really one can uh, trace it ultimately to the words of Our Lord uh, in the cross when he gave us Our Lady uh, as our mother, essentially. But uh, he goes to the more, you might say, explicit acts of consecration and service to Our Lady so as to point out that uh, it is not uh, recent. Uh, so it's interesting. And then one could add that um, since the time of St. Saint, uh, Louis, uh, the Church has always increasingly uh, praised and encouraged uh, his devotion because he was, in his time, he was trying to show the, the solidity of it. And then after, his, uh, after the, the saint's life, uh, the church and the post in particular ever more explicitly praise the devotion and the, this way of spirituality. And uh, notably, St. Pius X, uh, who was um, a great promoter of it. So there are indulgences and uh, explicit praises on the popes, etc. So, um, especially in our day, there is no doubt that this devotion is uh, not only uh, venerable because of its origin that is not new, but also it's, uh, you might say, super approved and encouraged by the part of the Holy See. The second question he, he proposes is that, that the faithful may have, is that if we give all our good works, prayers and alms to Our Lady, then what about our friends and family? We won't be able to help them. Well, um, actually, yes, that's a kind of a fallacy, but it's an objection. So, uh, no, because the by this devotion, we give everything to Our Lady, but always according to the uh, will and the order of God and His providence. 
So uh, that is, if we are bound to help, uh, let's say, a relative or someone who needs the help, then we will give actually that arm to that person, but we will do it through Our Lady and um, in order to please Our Lady and to serve her. But you see the arms we will give to the person who needs it, you see, mm -hmm. uh, because that is the will of God in, in that particular circumstance. So essentially how we solve this like that, we give everything to Our Lady as far as the intention and the, uh, you may say, the immediate end and the last end is Our Lord but that we do according to our state in life and our obligations of that state. And then the last question wonders, well, if I give all my good actions to Our Lady to apply to whom she wills, I might have to suffer a long time in purgatory. And we see that subtle and crafty use of self-popping up that we talked about in a few episodes ago, that ever-present self-love we have to try to conquer. Yes, and uh, I will say, well, obviously, um, one should be generous, right? And then uh, one should try to help also the, the souls that are now in purgatory and so forth. And, but I will say, even in the, if one considers his own, um, you know, what would happen to one uh, in purgatory, I will say, if one is less generous and more, um, uh, has less... Uh, generosity in the service of our Lord and our Lady, then it actually is kind of paradoxical, but it, it hurts you more. That is, you want to, uh, you think too much about your own self, and then eventually that will bring you most certainly to longer time in purgatory. Why? Because you are, uh, it brings everything from a, a too great self-love. That will incline you to sins, many venial sins, and in perhaps even mortal sins, etc., and then you will end up more time in purgatory. If you are more generous and you forget a little in the good sense about yourself and try to help other souls, uh, then that will give you greater generosity. Our Lord will give you more graces and then he will be much more inclined to mercy towards you. Our Lord says, blessed are the merciful because they shall receive mercy. So if we are more generous, then our Lord will forgive us our own faults, at least to a much greater degree. And so I think it's actually, it's not even realistic. If we see the big picture, we give more and then we will have to suffer less in purgatory and perhaps we can hope to uh, suffer very little and even we should aspire to, uh, to be spared altogether because our Lord can remit uh, what we owe through the, mainly through the reception of the sacraments if we receive the, the sacraments before dying. And he's the Lord, so he can show us mercy and um, make us go less time to purgatory precisely because we show charity. You see, so I think uh, it actually it goes the other way around. It seems that it wouldn't, but I think it's, it's actually a fallacy. Well, with that, we conclude part two of chapter one, and we can now begin part two, chapter two, which is entitled Motives of This Perfect Devotion. The first motive presented to us is that it devotes us entirely to the service of God. Yes, and then naturally this is the first one that is, we were created to serve God. And then this devotion, what it does is, it, uh, you might say, well, that's the idea of a consecration. So when you consecrate a chalice, you devote that chalice only for the worship of God. So you can use it to, to drink, even in, a, in an honest way. Uh, it's just for the worship of God. So the same, this consecration. 
we give ourselves fully to the worship or the service of God. And um, that is rightly uh, put in the first place because that's, uh, that's our end of life. We're created to serve God. So I think that's why it's put uh, first. Our second motive is that it makes us imitate the example of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Trinity and practice humility. Again, St. Louis brings us back to this idea of childlike dependence upon Mary, our dear mother. He says, quote, Our Lord gave more glory to God, his Father, during all that time of submission to and dependence on our Blessed Lady than he would have given him if he had employed those 30 years in working miracles, in preaching to the whole world, and in converting all men. Oh, how highly we glorify God when, after the example of Jesus, we submit ourselves to Mary. Yes, that's a very nice uh, quote. And uh, yes, he says humility. Well, obviously, right, and our saint remarks this in the book that humility is obviously extremely pleasing to our Lord. So by going through our Lady, we truly practice humility. That is, we consider essentially ourselves of little or no worth to present our works and our virtues and whatnot to our Lord. Therefore, we do it through Our Lady. And that, that fact of showing that humility is already a motive to, to embrace it because we know how humility is a key aspect of a spiritual life, is in the basis of a spiritual life. So if this devotion essentially makes us practice humility, then it will be a big part of, or a huge aspect of the spiritual life will be secured, which is... Um, not a little, so I think it's um, it's understandable how he puts it uh, in this uh, second place as something quite important. And then, as you say, the the dependence on Our Lady, uh, yes, that's also part of humility. Yeah. By humility, we recognize that we need help, and uh, that's also part of his devotion. We go to Our Lady for help in our necessities of body and soul, and uh, that's part of humility. Pride makes us think that we don't need help, and therefore we try to overcome difficulties, let's say vice or temptations or whatever, by our sheer, you know, um, strength of will. You know, uh, well, I fell 10 times, but now I will try harder and I won't fall. And certainly we should try very hard, but we should realize that the, the overcoming comes from the help of God, and we hope to attain that grace by this devotion. Thirdly, it obtains for us the good offices of the Blessed Virgin, which he subsequently breaks down into two subcategories. First, Mary gives herself to her slave of love. And second, Mary purifies our good works, embellishes them, and makes them acceptable to her son. Yes, and the, this one is uh, very nice. That is, what the saint, the saint means is that if we are generous and show our love, etc., to Our Lady, then Our Lady obviously is much pleased, and she, you might say, repays us, so to speak. And um, so Our Lady gives herself to, to her slave of love. That means we gave all ourselves to her and then she meets us in the same spirit as the saint says, that is, she gives us great blessings and graces, etc., because precisely we were generous toward, towards her. So then she shows in a special way her generosity towards us and gives us again many graces and her protection in a special way and so forth. So that's point one. And then point two, that she purifies our works, etc. Well, that means that we give Our Lady all our works, etc. So then Our Lady uh, 
essentially receives them, so to speak, uh, immediately. And then Our Lady presents it or offers them to Our Lord and to the, to the Holy Trinity. So what that does is that if God saw our, our works as merely coming from, from ourselves, then we have all the runs to fear because of our infidelities and sins and, and all the rest. But if he sees the same works coming through Our Lady, then he will see Our Lady that gives the, those little works that we do. And then uh, that will increase their value. Essentially, not because they are great in themselves, but because it is Our Lady who presents it, presents the, the same works. And then um, our, the sense is essentially that um, Our Lady takes like the gift we make to God and uh, she essentially removes all the what might be displeasing to him, like, let's say, a lack of perfect purity of intention, etc., etc., and then he's kind of uh, purified, then presents all the good that there was through her hands to God. And then God is um, pleased not only by the work, but you might say especially because it is given uh, to him by, by his mother. Our fourth motive is that it is an excellent means of procuring God's greater glory. Yes, and then uh, the glory of God is the end of all creatures, and it must be our end. But as the saint says in, in the book, there are very few who really look for this end, or at least in a perfect way, like with true purity of intention. And, um, and it's a good insight because it's difficult in the spiritual life. We might have a general good intention, but then it gets mixed with all you know, conflicted intentions and then self-seeking and self-will and all the rest. So if we follow this devotion, uh, this true devotion to Our Lady, then we know that all that we are doing, even though it might be imperfect on our part, Our Lady uh, ensures that all of it is used for the glory of God. And that's, uh, again, that shows the excellence of this devotion because it means this devotion is the best way to make us essentially um, you might say, succeed, in the end we, we must achieve. That is, we should do everything for the glory of God, like the saints. But we know we are so imperfect, so by this devotion it makes it easier to say, well, I, um, let's say, I suffer some ill of body, right, like a sickness. So then you, you are not, well, if you follow this, you don't follow this devotion, you might be unsure, unsure if whether you really offered it up for the glory of God or you were more uh, you know, you suffer just in vain, you know, mm-hmm. without any merit and, and so forth. With this devotion is, well, I consecrated my soul and my body to Our Lady, then the little that I suffer in this small sickness, I know Our Lady used and presented for the glory of God, which is the, the true end. So that's one of the a great motive really to embrace it. And then the fifth motive is that it leads us to union with our Lord. And he breaks this down into four different attributes, if you will. It is an easy, short, perfect, and secure way of attaining union with our Lord, in which union the perfection of a Christian consists. Yes, and now by the fifth, you might say it looks more to a little more to a certain perfection in the spiritual life that is uh, the goal of. Uh, well-developed spiritual life, etc., is to attain union to our Lord. And that union is, consists essentially in the union of our Lord to the, to, to the will of our blessed Lord. And then um, 
even a union of uh, the life of prayer, and then even in the higher uh, stages, a mystical union. But at any rate, this union with our Lord is the end of the spiritual life, of the perfection of the spiritual life, and he says that it also conduces to that, and he points out that it makes it easy, short, and perfect, so it makes a way easy, short, and perfect, and, and secure. So those words are very well chosen because you might say in the aiming at the union with our Lord, because it's something that we don't see, right? Uh, there can be many illusions and then um, perplexities and whatnot, but this devotion again makes it simple. That is, if I give myself fully to Our Lady, then Our Lady will ensure that I can unite myself to our Lord according to my stage in the spiritual life and whatnot. And then in an easy way, because it makes essentially the spiritual life easier, more simplified, and there is uh, less room for uh, deceptions and illusions and all the rest. And um, then as far as uh, short, well, that means it makes us advance faster. That is, we cannot become saints in two days, it takes a whole life, even advanced uh, stage of the spiritual life, it takes years, but short it means it's more direct. Uh, it will take some time, but we won't essentially lose, you might say, time and effort, etc. We will have to walk the distance, you know, in order to reach the, where are the summit of the mountain, but we won't go all you know, around and losing your back and forth and then aside and back to the center, we go in a, in a straight line because Our Lady guides us and then we go um, in that sense faster. And then uh, in a perfect way, that is simply because the way we are choosing is Our Lady and then Our Lady is the most perfect way to go to Our Lord, naturally, is the, the way He chose to, to come to us. And then Our Lady is obviously the most perfect of creatures and is the, the holiest and the best way or means to go to our Lord, who is our, our end. And then the last one, he says, is a secure way. And then, again, in the spiritual life, it's important to avoid uh, delusions and pits, pitfalls and all the rest. And then this devotion is particularly efficacious there, that is, it will be harder for one who follows this devotion to be deluded and um, to go astray because we have first the protection of Our Lady, uh, a more special protection. Our Lady protects all her children, but in a more special way. And then it gives more solidity to the spiritual life. So it's much more difficult to essentially be deluded in the life of prayer and whatnot. And that is, is important because it's easy, actually, uh, all the... The spiritual master says that there is a risk of being deluded in, in the prayer life, but uh, this way makes it essentially secure or safe. That is, there will be crosses, yes, there will be difficulties, but we will go in a steady and safe way towards our end. The sixth motive is that it gives us great interior liberty. Yes, and this one is more or less connected to the one we just saw, that is, if we are always fearing delusions and, you know, going backwards or going astray in the spiritual life and pitfalls, etc., then we won't have true liberty of spirit. You know, we will be, well, I wonder if I'm doing well in the spiritual life. I wonder if, you know, it can lead even to scruples, etc. What this devotion is, because it's simpler 
and we have confidence in Our Lady, we give all ourselves um, to her, etc. Then once we start realizing that it's secure and safe, etc., then you might say it will naturally lead to interior liberty, which means instead of always being fearful about our own uh, faults, and, and uh, which obviously we should feel sorry for them, but that can lead sometimes to a, you might say, a servile fear that is always fearing in a disordered way, or at least in an imperfect way, we might say. But this devotion gives us more confidence and uh, with that more uh, liberty of spirit. And that liberty of spirit that is uh, going with confidence and um, with, uh, you might say, a great heart in the service of God, that is very important in the spiritual life and all the authors remark it. So the fact that this devotion gives that is not a little because it will make us essentially advance much more and much uh, faster and safer in the spiritual life because we won't go so much by pure fear, and, uh, but we will go more by way of love. Uh, and that makes us advance much faster and uh, to become more perfect in the spiritual life. So that is, again, uh, truly a great motive. And everyone who has practiced the, the life of prayer can see this because naturally, especially at the beginnings of the spiritual life, there's a lot of, you know, doubts and difficulties and whatnot. So the fact that they will give this, uh, you might say, liberty and freedom in the good sense, that to work with confidence and uh, uh, more out of love, that is a very good uh, gain in this devotion. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode, and we will continue these motives in our next episode. Is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out this episode, Father? Uh, no, I think we have covered... Uh, mm, kind of in a short way, according to the time we have, but we saw all the essential points of each of the motives, so I think we are fine. Well, Father, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again next time as we continue this series. God bless you. Thank you, God bless you.